Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about chapters 26 and 27 of The Way of Kings by Brandon Sanderson, wherein we see Dalinar uh, and uh, have a battle, Dalinar and Adolin, and then we see Kaladin and company doing some uh, some shit work. They're not big fans of it. I'm Data, and with me today is... JD. Jack. And Joe. Hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. Two chapters, and we're almost, there's one more chapter left in part two, which means something horrible or epic has to happen next chapter. But what did you guys think of these two chapters? Yeah, I feel like we are going to have something happen pretty soon, because it was it was another week of, like, there's things happening and stuff, but it doesn't seem to be, feel like we've kind of stagnated a little bit here. Um, Dalinar and Adolin, I'm kind of glad they're feud. Not feud hasn't really gone down. I thought Adeline's like apology. I'm not. I'm not sorry for what I said, but I'm sorry for how and where I said it. I was like, oh, that's okay. You, you needed to say some things. They have a mutual understanding now, and they're they're happy with that. So I'm happy for them. It was good to see Dalina kind of on the on the battlefield, and yeah, I guess re-experiencing the thrill that he hadn't done for quite some time. That was that was good to see. And I like seeing that the, the bridge crew are kind of coming together. You wouldn't think going for a chasm duty. Also, horrific task. Like if carrying <laughs> the bridge wasn't bad enough on your on your days off from bridge duty, you can go and uh rob the, the dead at the bottom of the chasm. That's mm, yeah, that's a pretty horrible job. But it seems to, on some level, have brought them a little bit closer together. And we've learned a little bit about the uh, Pashendi as well. So, yeah, lots of like little bits of information. I'm kind of keen for something to happen, for the story to progress now. So we're just, we're not quite progressing as quickly as I think what I feel, because it's such a bigger book than what we're used to reading as well. It feels like we should be coming to the end of a big story, even though we're not even halfway through it yet. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of strange, like reading the physical book as well, because we're coming to the end of the first half. Oh, yeah, because you get the first book. Halves. I forgot. Yeah, it feels like there should be a lot more going on for the amount of pages left in the actual copy of the book. Just say I'm still liking it. Overall, it's pretty good. It's definitely kind of a slower progress. That, like you said, Kaladin is is making progress with the bridge crew, just not as fast as you know he or we might hope maybe and mm. dalinar and adolin are progressing in a way like you know they had a fight they're kind of making up but what it's not like you know there's no big giant jumps happening except for when they jump across no. the that was a big jump i mean that, that is a big jump yes <laughs> but we're about to hit the end of part two so something's got to happen 
but just, just yeah, nothing's it's just like and part two's over, whatever, who cares? Next. Although we have yeah, three climactic move on. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's like good chapters, interesting stuff. I liked seeing Dalinar actually go out and get and get some action. I thought nice step. It, it seems like he just needs to get back. He just needs to do something simple to clear his head a bit because he's doing a whole bunch of complex stuff at the moment. But that was cool. I actually really enjoyed Chasm Duty. I know it's an awful task for the guys, so I understand why they hate it so much. But just that whole chapter and seeing the group dynamic, the things they had to do, the things they picked up, and everyone's reaction when Kaladin picked up the spear was that was all fucking great. I loved every mm-hmm. uh, every minute of it. Really fun. Yeah, they're 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 all talking shit about him until that moment. It's like, oh, okay, this fucking Moash guy, like, <laughs> needs, to, needs to shut the fuck up. You know, there's you always you, you always have one like that. Just gotta gotta cut you down, no matter what you yep. do. Yep. How's it feel to be the Flash Thompson of this book? <laughs> uh, it's it's funny because now when I think of Flash Thompson, it's from the newest Spider-Man movies, which is very different from previous Flash Thompsons. Kind of well, very kind of different. And I like personality-wise, like, he's pretty much the same. You're, you're he's right. He's just a, he's just a different kind of jock. Yeah, that's and that's what it is. I'm I'm used to thinking of him like the big jock, and and now he's like the rich brat kind of. Yeah, which is you know they're they're both jerks. They're just different kinds of jerks. And so I'm like, yeah. Moash isn't rich though. He's <laughs> no, but yeah, he's 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 just the you you, t- you typical. It's like I don't like you, so I'm going to every chance I get talk down to you and talk shit about you. Yep. But yeah, like the. Like we've watched a lot of Homecoming recently, and um, just very, very, very similar. It's like you've never touched a spear in your life. It's like you've never been in the same room as Tony Stark. <laughs> in, I feel like in in that case, in the Spider-Man movie, it makes more sense. Like some random kid you go to high school with, always talking about how they know yeah. Tony Stark. Probably they're full of shit. Here, oh, I, it's like guys I, use I, a spear. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, but like. I think it's like he says, like any any person who actually can use a spear would get sent to the front lines. Mm, that's like, true. Like if like if he actually was as good as he says, he wouldn't end up in bridge crew. Is except he did. Except he did. But yeah, like I I I, I can I can see why there is a skepticism, but at the same time, he's just like, uh, you woke me up, you punched me in the gut that one time, and now you're making me do extra work, so I'm a fucking hate you. And it's like, dude, your life wasn't exactly going swimmingly before he showed up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. Uh, you're not gonna. Yeah, it, it really just seems like his life got marginally a little bit worse, and he's taking it, taking out everything on Kaladin, even though Kaladin's only responsible for like a little bit. And it's like, dude, come on. Maybe, maybe that's how he makes his life better. It's just finding someone else that he can shit on. It makes him feel better about himself in this horrible situation. Mm, yeah, everyone needs someone to blame. Apparently, I mean, Kaladin has the light eyes. He blames them for a lot, but they, uh, in his case, maybe that's fair. Well, we don't, yeah, we still don't know exactly what happened. That's still being drip fed to us. Yep. That's why I said maybe. Like, who knows? You. Oh, well, yeah. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> guy, this guy reads from a card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These chapters, I, you know, these were very polarizing chapters for me. The first chapter I found mostly uninteresting. The, even the combat sequence, I was kind of like, eh, this is all right. The inner monologue of Dalinar during the combat sequence, slightly more interesting. 
the Sadea stuff I found uninteresting. It's it's like almost expected, and it was like, oh, this is just not stuff. Stuff's not going to go well for Dalinar. Just it's becoming more and more clear. I feel like, but uh, I'm with Dak. All the Kaladin stuff, even like it, the Chasm stuff, it really like brought them together in kind of a cool way. They use the you know they make the stew. I kept expecting the other shoe to drop, and because you know they go to the chasm stuff, and they're supposed to bring up like money that they find, right? So it's like mm-hmm. if Kaladin had that money on him. I would think they'd shake these bridge crews down to make sure they weren't hiding money. And so like Kaladin had all that money, and I kept thinking, oh, they're gonna find the money, and and then he's gonna get in trouble. But then that didn't happen. So yeah, and uh, you know, some some could have happened. It didn't happen, but. Uh, I, 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 you know, this book could just focus on Kaladin for the rest of it, and I'd be a okay. <laughs> but, but, but Dalinar and and Shalon, we haven't talked to Shalon in a while, so who knows what she's doing? Yeah, yeah, we haven't seen her in a long time. I mean, we could go back to Shalon; that'd be fine. But <laughs> okay, no, yeah, that's that's fair. I think it mentions that they do definitely get searched when they come out, and knowing that, I imagine you would not take your spheres down in there. Although why they're confident that they can leave them behind without them getting stolen, who knows? Uh, okay, let's let's get into these chapters. Chapter 26 is called Stillness, and interesting epigraph on this one. The author says, I'm being chased. Your friends of the 17th Shard, I suspect. I believe they're still lost following a false trail I left for them. They'll be happier that way. I doubt they have any inkling what to do with me should they actually catch me. Yeah, so that's very interesting. A 17th Shard. Yeah. What's that about? What is that about? And someone What is that about? Someone is looking for the author who you guys think is Hoyd I and mean, he's he's led them on a false trail. So, we've seen we've seen those guys looking for Hoyd. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. So like early predicament here. We suppose that maybe those three guys looking for him were part of the ghost bloods. So maybe Kelsier has turned himself into a 17th shard. Jacques could be that, or it could be for the, just for the fact that he held preservation shard for that short time before having to. Oh, like once a shard, always a shard. You think maybe it's like, he's it's like, maybe, maybe Hoyd's out there. Keep it a log. Kelsier 17. Vin is 18. 18. Yeah. 19 and 20. If you count it that way, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Depends on how you get. Maybe maybe that's it. Like he and this, like this, uh, his friend, the old reptile, just have a debate. It's like Says doesn't count as two. Yes, he does. <laughs> he's got two <laughs> shards. He's bearing them both. He's nineteen and twenty. Get over it. <laughs> we say then that no one else has ever held a shard that wasn't the original shard bearer. That's what I would assume based off this, which seems like okay. Skadrial's a monumental place. If that's the first time, if that's the first place where that ever happened. Yeah. yeah. We know some of them have been broken or destroyed since then. We haven't heard about another one switching hands, I don't think. Another one holding it. Exactly. My thoughts originally were that maybe Harmony was kind of a new shard because Ruin and Preservation weren't, like, now they're kind of held by one hmm. person. So yeah, that's kind so of what it's... I was thinking. If Kelsier and Harmony were talking, then having the ghost bloods wouldn't be a complete late leap maybe but yeah i like all the theories 17th shard also the name of the official brandon sanderson fan site well that's confusing (laughs) there's a 17th shard in lore why are they the 17th shard that makes no sense 
Was it established before this book was written? I doubt it. And I guess whoever, who, who, who or whatever the 17th shard is, apparently they are friends with the guy or the person the letter is being written to. So, mm. interesting. That old lizard. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this, this old lizard is just sitting in his hut. He's peeling some potatoes and Kelsey just kicks in the fucking door. And it's like, I'm your new best friend. <laughs> I, I, I do like the idea that if this is Hoyd, Hoyd has like sent these guys out to the pure lake. Like, yep, have fun looking for me in the pure lake, losers. Who knows where he actually is? Oh, I've got a volcano theory for you. So Hoyd is sending these letters to the old reptile. We need to come up with a name for the old reptile. I'll think about that. But the old reptile is not getting the letters. Kelsey is intercepting them. He's just reading, he's like, motherfucker, guys, get away from the lake. He, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> well, if it is the same, you know, if if it is Hoyt and he's writing to the same guy that we saw in that previous, in the Traveler thing, that guy, who I don't think has been named any other time, it's just Brandon has said his name, so I guess I can tell you, that guy's name is Frost. Yeah. He's that guy, he's tinsel on a tree. <laughs> or I guess he's Frost on a tree. Looks kind of like tinsel. Sure. Isn't that what tinsel's supposed to like represent? Yeah, exactly. Oh, that makes sense. I never thought about that. So, yeah. There, there's a, Since we're theorizing it's Hoyd writing to that same guy, there's you a name that you can use for the recipient. Frosty yeah. the dragon. <laughs> I just like how I like magically already put his name to what metaphorically represents him on a Christmas tree. I mean... Yeah. Who else but uh, but Joe could do that? So, the chapter. We come in, and uh, someone named Latima is reading to Dalinar from the Way of Kings. And it's a, a very metaphorical thing about, uh, about candles. And how the flames of candles are like the lives of men. Very, very deep. And then he's like, okay, that, thanks. But somehow, it's, uh, it's just not, it's not comforting him like it has in the past. And he's thinking about what what Adeline said, like, oh, man, am I really am I really going crazy? Mm, maybe. And he thought he'd figured it out. He thought he'd decided what he was going to do. But now he's second guessing everything again. And Renarin shows up. He's like, I mean, hey, is, is there something that I can do to help? He's like, nah, I wish. The Way of Kings was once considered one of the great masterpieces of political philosophy. Yasna told me kings around the world used to study it daily. Now it's considered borderline blasphemous. That's. Huh. Another high prince has, yeah, it is a big change apparently. High prince Aladar has refused my offer of an alliance. Who do you think I should approach next? And Renarin's like, man, I don't know. Adolin says that we should be worried about Sadius. I I need to dial this back here because once again we've got a name that I'm struggling to move past. Do y'all ever see that movie from the early two thousands, the Disney dinosaur movie? Uh, well, which one? There's been a. I think no, it was called. It was called dinosaur. dinosaur. It was called dinosaur. No, no. Yeah, my oh, wife okay. has seen it, but I have not. I've been on the ride yeah. at Disney World. Yeah, something kicked loose in my memory this week, and I read Aladar and remembered. Oh, that's the name of the main dinosaur in that. So now <laughs> this one, this one high priest is an iguanodon. Sure enough, DB Sweeney plays Aladar. Hmm. Did not know that. Uh, no. Now Aladar is going to be a dinosaur in my head. There we go. Dinosaur, ancient enemy of time. <laughs> oh, that's that's an old. Okay, I think I've made that reference on here before. Honestly, I have no memory of that, but but I do have a shit memory. So, 
Yeah, what's a dinosaur to do when mm, there's kids, kids on, on the, ice. the ice? Somebody call, call their moms. Uh, Reptile on Ice, the greatest show oh, that never that's existed. What that is okay. the greatest show on ice. Uh, but yeah, so then there's a, 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 a horn blows. Is that what it is? Something like that. It's like, hey, there's a chasm fiend out there. It's a. It crawled across the plateau less than a quarter hour ago, and it's really good for, uh, like, it's in good position for us. Sadius is going to be out of position. Yes, cross chasms too large uh, and for the his bridges. And so Dalinar's like, you know what? Let's do it. We march. And Taleb is like, and your son, Bright Lord? And Dalinar's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and call him. He needs to get in on this. And we find out a little bit about Shardplate as they, like, lock it onto him. Which makes it makes me think of like Iron Man's armor going on, but it's like uh, he the boots go on first, and then like the greaves and the stuff like going up the legs. You got to build from bottom to top because it's so heavy that if you didn't have the enhanced strength of shard plate itself, you wouldn't be able to carry it. Metal. Yeah, right. And Teleb has has uh, been trying to get him to do some man carried bridges, so they can maybe keep up with Sadius. And he's like, well, I don't like this idea. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to waste lives like Sadius does, basically. And Teleb is like, I mean, we can still use the Chull pull bridges for the last chasm, but, you know, these will get us there faster. And he's like, well, I mean, we still have to wait for the Chulls either way. I don't know that it is actually faster. But then he he gives in. He's like, OK, you can train one bridge crew and we'll see how it goes. I also like that uh, as his armor gets final, finished up, he, he has a cape that goes on, too, because, you know, can't can't go into battle without your cape. Yeah, I got to have a cape. No capes. And we've talked about the thrill before, and this chapter gets a little deeper into it, but the thrill has always been capitalized. And you guys are like, well, what's up with that? So we get a little more about it here, but it's still kind of mysterious. And Adolin shows up, and they have their moment where he's like, Dalinar's like, look, you said what you had to say. And as Jamie pointed out, he's like, yeah, I'm just sorry for where and how I did it, but I'm not sorry for what I said. And they're like, okay. And then there's that girl, Malasha. She wanted to come to the battle today, and she's upset that I wouldn't let her. She's curious. Women on the battlefield? No. What are you, you crazy? Yeah. It's like a man reading. <laughs> exactly. And then at the last moment, as they're about to march off, Sadius is like, hey, I want to come in and talk to you guys. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I keep thinking of, like, Dalinar walking in on Gavilar and throwing out the Draco Malfoy line. It's like, I didn't know you knew how to read. <laughs> it has a very different connotation here. But yeah, that, that, that's fun. And Adolin has to promise that he'll behave. We see Adolin's uh, Rishadium, who we'd heard he had one, but now we kind of meet the white stallion named Shoreblood. And so Sadius is here. He wants to, like, interrogate some of Dalinar's soldiers, and he's going he's gonna to come with them as they head out onto the plateaus to do what he, want, he, what he needs to do. And he makes a sarcastic comment about how he couldn't possibly slow you down any more than you'll already be going with those chull bridges, whatever. And I do like that we he, he's like, your soldiers are quite loyal to you, he notes after he's talked to some of them. And Nellan is like, yeah, loyalty is the first lesson of a soldier's life. I'd be worried if they hadn't mastered it yet. And Sadie's just like, do you have to be so sanctimonious? And they, they have a bit of a conversation, uh, like uh, a back and forth about, you know, how Dalinar is not the guy he used to be. Don't you miss that guy? And he's like, I don't know, sometimes. Do you still feel the thrill like men didn't mm. often speak of the thrill, the joy and lust for battle. That's gross. That sounds uh, <laughs> sounds gross the way they're saying it. 
Yeah, a little bit. You guys want to see my thrill? No, put that away. <laughs> First rule about thrill, do not talk about Talk thrill. about thrill. Second rule of thrills, you do not talk about thrill. See a lot of men in shard plate. Means a bunch have been ra- uh, breaking the first two rules about thrill. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just going to s- s- move right past that. I don't remember that movie well enough to uh, be quoting it. I only saw it once. Dalinar's like, I'm doing what I want, what I need to do to protect the kingdom. And Sadius is like, well, so am I. See, winning glory and wealth, seeking vengeance. It would be best for Alethkar if you'd stop wasting time and talking of fleeing like cowards. It'd be best for Alethkar if you started to act like a man again. Oh, Dalinar's like, yeah, right. Dalinar's like, dude, just just give it up. I, I don't have time for your shit right now. And then he, he, he realizes that Sadius has a point that Gavilar kind of was changing towards the end because he was saying some of the same stuff that Dalinar is now thinking. It's like, I see now in ways I never did before. I wish I could show you what I mean. He told Dalinar three days before he died. And then we see them start the battle. So you have these big chull carried bridges that like they go in and you like crank them across basically after the chulls drop them off. But that's not how they start the battle. In Dalinar's army, you start the battle with the two shard bearers jumping from one plateau to another on their own to clear the way for their men to come across. So that is pretty metal. They summon their shard blades. And I like when he's he uh, he says to Adolin, like, you've never argued with me about like the way that we do this. And Adolin's like, well, no, because this is the best way. They're my men, too. And what's the point of being a shard bearer if we can't lead the charge? He's got a point. Yeah. And so they jump across and just start, like, cutting swaths of Parshendi down with their shard blades. They'll, you know, pass right through and kill everybody. As long as you kept it in motion, it couldn't get caught in chinks or stopped by the weight of what it was cutting. He's he's cutting down, like, six guys with one stroke, and it's just... uh, And beyond that, they've got the super strength from their shard plate, so he's just, like, kicking and punching dudes as well. The thrill is rising up, and he, he kicks another corpse out of the way. Not because he needs extra room, but because they've noticed that the Parshendi get enraged when you move their dead. So he's just, like, doing it to antagonize them. Yeah, let me beat up your your corpses a little bit. Bring out your dead so that I might fuck them up. Yeah. And then all in a moment, when he's he's really getting into this battle, he's thinking, I'm the Blackthorn, I'm death itself. And then he feels like this horrible revulsion as he looks around at all the death around him, and he realizes, like, this is messed up. How can I enjoy this? The fuck is wrong with me? Yeah, seriously. Then the thrill vanishes. But he's still, you know, in the middle of a battle. He can't stop. So he kind of has to just get back into it. Adolin is more skilled with a blade than any other man Dalinar has known. The lad was a genius with the blade, an artist with paint of only one shade. So apparently he's good. Who knew? And so he finishes out the battle, but like that sick feeling doesn't ever completely go away where he's like, man, what are this is this is fucked up. I should not be enjoying killing this this much. That's what kind of person would feel that way. Yeah, it's very upsetting. And then he hears a voice that he's never felt that before. Right. Yeah, that that this is a first. He's been in tons of battles and it's like just now Mm -hmm. he's like, you know, what? this is messed up. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, he hears a voice that says life before death. And he's like, what was that? But no, no time, no time. Gotta, gotta keep finishing the battle up. But as he, as we end that section, he's just like, this isn't what the radiance had fought for, but it was something. 
So he's fighting for his men and such, but uh, he's like, this isn't this isn't the same. And then we just jump to they won the battle. Aelin like pulls the gem heart out. Everyone cheers. Yay. We're happy. Yay. Money. Yep. So uh, there was a chasm fade in a chrys- chrysalis. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I have questions about that. Okay. So is it the fully grown chasm fiend that we've seen that they fought in the reduction? That's what goes into the chrysalis, or that's what comes out of it? Yeah, I don't know. That is because if that's question. what goes in, what the fuck comes out? <laughs> you know, like a giant moth thing. Mothra. Oh God, Mothra. <laughs> they got to stop them before they finish pupating. If it's going to be a bunch of Mothras. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want Mothra on your hands. Maybe it's just like juvenile ones and they just like get bigger when they come out of the chrysalis. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd still prefer Mothra, though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I get a uh, I get a sweet dagger that also like doubles as a flute. and I'd summon like Mechagodzilla. Be pretty sweet. I don't know if Mothra and Mechagodzilla have ever fought. I'll they th- did I'll on Power that. Rangers, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, after the battle, he's thinking about how like. The, the crap that he started thinking about in there almost got him killed. Like, battle is no time for reflection. What is happening to me? And he, he goes out and looks towards the origin. And he's like, why am I doing this so much? And then there is a there's a shard bearer over there where the, the Parshendi are retreating. And he sees an enemy shard bearers hanging out, watching them. Bring shard plate. It's like, why didn't they get involved in the battle? And then they just leave. And he's like, all right, then. And that's the end of that chapter. So... It's it's like we did get we got some action. We got this battle scene, but I think it's designed to feel kind of unsatisfying because that's how it feels for Dalinar. Makes sense. Yep. Where the writer's just like, if if anything I've said has made any sense to you, I trust you'll call those guys off. Or maybe you could astound me and ask them to do something productive for once. So whoever he's writing the letter to uh, has authority over these guys. It's not just their friends. It's like, hey, will you call these dudes off? Mm. So interesting. Mm. And we get Kaladin going back to the apothecary shop. And the guy is, is going to try to do his act again with the cane. And then he's, oh, okay, it's you. <laughs> and Kaladin has brought in a, a bottle of that uh, of that knobweed sap. And just slams it on the table. What do you give me for that? And the guy's like, what's this? You offering me a drink? I, I don't take that stuff these days. It unsettles the stomach, you know. But no, no, this is knobweed sap. How much will you give me for this bottle? We, where'd you get that? I harvested it from the reeds. And the guy tries to tell him that it's worthless. Like, oh, yeah, the wild reeds, they're they're not potent enough. You have to, like, distill it down. I'll be lucky to get a couple spoonfuls from this. And Kaladin at first is like, damn it, we wasted all that time. But wait a second. No, no, I've already used some of this, and I've seen it working. And besides that, this guy never said anything the first time around about distilling. This guy's full of shit. He is so full of shit. This guy never thought they'd go out and find their own knobweed. Nope. Yeah. Well, he's not used to men looking for knobweed, you know? <laughs> and then even Syl comes out. She's like, Kaladin, he's nervous. but I think he's lying. And so, uh, yeah, Kaladin calls him out. He's like, last time you said I'd be lucky to get one drop per reed. We got way more than that. You never said anything about it. wild plants being weaker. And then she's like, the army doesn't know, do they? They don't know how valuable those plants are. You harvest them and then sell the sap and make a killing off of it. And the guy tries to, he's like, well, I, I don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Who are you again? And eventually he offers him a sky mark for the bottle, as opposed to what he'd been offering. He'd been offering clear marks 
uh, like two clear marks and now it's a sky mark so one sapphire mark is worth about what is this and he says i assume the sky marks are sapphires that'd be blue yeah i thought it was a sapphire and it's like 25 times well he, he gets a clear mark a day right and he said it's 25 times his it's like wage daily wage yeah it's like about a month's worth of wages for him so yeah, a, a clear mark, a diamond mark is worth about five diamond chips. So diamond chip is the smallest. The sky mark is worth 125 diamond chips. So yeah, five times, just like he says. Good call, mm. Jamie. And so that's a lot more <laughs> than he was offering at first. He says that he he sells them to the military for two clear mark or two sky marks rather. So I'll give you half of that. And apparently all of the apothecaries got together and they just decided that this is how much they would charge. That was fair. So everybody's making the same. Nobody's trying to, like, you know, undercut anybody else. And for a moment, Kaladin tries to take, like, the noble thing. And he's like, I should expose you. Men die because of you. And he's like, no, they don't. The high princes make so much money on the plateaus. They don't – they never not buy. It's it's never too much for them to buy the antiseptic. So it's either if you turn me in, then all you'll be doing is letting Sadius – Monsters like Sadius keep a few more spheres in their pockets. And Colin's like, okay, yeah, more money for me or more money for them. I guess I know which way to go. And he even convinces the apothecary to let him be his new, like, supplier. Where he's like, look, what we'll do is you pay me one, you charge them two. And then if anybody ever finds out what you're doing, well, you're completely innocent. All you know is some guy sells it to you and you charge a, a fair markup. And the old man's like, huh. I mean, yeah, it's really none of my business where you, you harvested this stuff, right? Yeah, no, yeah. So the, the, the apothecary is in many ways a little bit shady, but I kind of like him. So now Kaladin has some decent money. He has, like, a lot more than he would make in a week. Like, that's about three weeks worth of pay. If he makes two of these things, and that's worth five, eh, two and a half weeks. All in one go. And Sill is like, I mean, that was pretty dishonest. He's like, no, nah, I mean, that's the way it works everywhere. People buy the grain from gr- grain from farmers, and then the merchants you know, charge a little more to sell it in the cities, and so on and so forth. It's the economy, Sill. Yep. And she's like, well, then why were you bothered by it? And he's like, I've still got scruples about charging for medical care because of my father. And she's like, oh, he sounds like a very generous man. Yeah, for all the good it did him. He's got some daddy issues, maybe, a little bit here. And so he's got some stuff that he's going to buy. Although for a moment, he's thinking, like, with this much money, I could run. Uh, like, like cut my head open to get rid of these, uh, like, turn these brands into a battle scar. And I could just, like, live my life, get a fresh start. But no, we know he's not going to do that. He's one of the main characters in this book. You're not going to just abandon these people and screw them over and yeah. take the money and run. Yeah, hanging out in a city just doing menial tasks. That sounds like our newest D&D campaign. I mean, surely he's not going to do that. Oh, you poor thing. (laughs) It's not my fault. That's the campaign that people wanted. So yes, he's like, no, can't do that. Gotta stay. And then we cut to Gaz giving them chasm duty. I was like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, you got me thinking. Nobody cares if Bridge 4 gets the shit work details. I can be as unfair to you guys as I want, and everyone hates chasm duty. And uh, so yeah, chasm duty... Is apparently just the worst, not because it's necessarily harder, but so that they send you down into the chasm because we're at the uh, we're at the western end of the shattered plain where they do all this stuff. 
and the high storms come from east to west. And so all of the people who die and fall into the chasms during fights, their bodies get blown this way by the storm. So being at the far end, they wash up in the chasms here. And bridgemen, just when they're not having to carry bridges, they get sent down there to uh, find the dead bodies and pull the stuff off of them. But the real reason that people don't want to go down there is because sometimes chasm fiends hang around in the chasms, hence the name. And so, you know, you, you could go down there and your whole group just get chomped up. We saw like the Adolin and and Stadius and Elokar and Dalinar all like with shard plate and most of them with shard weapons. They had a hard enough time taking out a chasm fiend. Imagine just a bunch of unarmed bridge men running up against one. Oh, there'd be no chance. Yeah. yeah. No chance. No shreds, you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, they even find some bridgemen washed up down there, and they're like, yeah, I mean, you don't have anything valuable. Just, you know, hope you find peace. And it it brings into play another aspect of the battles that I don't know that we kind of knew about, where they're battling on these little plateaus. And so a, 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 an easy way to get the advantage against your opponent is if you can force them. They can't retreat. If you back them up against the edge of the plateau and push them a little further, they start falling off. So it's a, it's it's tricky dangerous battles these plateau raids also the chasms down here are just like a crazy maze uh, and you can lose your way if you're not uh, being careful like kaladin's job is to mark the directions as they move down there so they don't get lost and not be able to find their way back out so they have to salvage a certain amount of stuff and it's not like it's not insane it's not that hard to meet but it's enough that they have to work at it down here so you know they're just picking up here's a helmet here's a shield if they find some valuable spheres, they get a small reward when they come out. They weren't allowed to bring their own spheres or possessions, and on their way out, they were searched thoroughly. The humiliation of that search, which included any place a sphere might be hidden, was part of the reason chasm duty was so loathed. So there's a cavity search when you come out of the chasm, is what we're learning. Yikes. And so, yeah, on top of having to maybe get eaten, you get cavity searched when you come back out. So, yeah, no wonder nobody likes doing this. Except for Dunny, he loves the cavity search. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that makes me want to be eaten by a chasm fiend down there. You know, if I had to go on that duty, I'm like, just don't make me come back. It's fine. We hear Teft telling a story about, like, I heard an entire br- bridge crew got eaten by a chasm fiend one time. They just backed him into a dead end and picked him off one at a time. And Rocky's like, well, if they were all eaten, how would you have heard the story? Huh, I don't know. You know, uh, luck. <laughs> and then there's talk about then where do the stories come from i wonder yeah <laughs> was a, i heard a whole bridge crew got cavity searched yeah that happens every time oh no <laughs> <laughs> you got the one guy volunteering for for chasm duty every time according to joe it's stunning <laughs> he's like oh bridge crew leader could i could i help that other bridge crew with chasm duty today <laughs> why no, no reason. I'll just, uh, you know, possums. <laughs> possums. Oh, no. the... oh, the possum hunters are on cavity search duty. Yeah, they always put us on cavity search, cavity search duty, don't they, son? Number one. Oh no. Yeah, we got the special brush and everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get in there, Nash. Just don't go right there, boy. <laughs> oh. Yeah, no, okay. Close the door, man. Close the door. <laughs> yep. <Yeah>. So <laughs> they start talking about uh, slot canyons when it rains. 
And Rock's just like, I mean, I don't know anything about that. I live in the peaks. We don't have that kind of foolishness up there. The only, they don't, those only exist where foolish men choose to live. And Kaladin's like, well, you live here. Yeah, and I'm foolish. Did you not notice this thing? And so, yeah, basically being down here during rain, even a regular storm, but especially a high storm, would be bad, we decide. Let's not do that. All right. And then we actually uh, kind of get somebody else in because right now it's like rock and Kaladin and Teft who have, you know, made this new team together. They're the ones like joking around, chatting back and forth. And then Kaladin makes a joke and he's like, Hey, right. Dunny. Like that, that was funny. What I said. Right. And uh, then we talk about Dunny's name where rocks like, that's a weird name. What's the meaning? And Dunny's like, I don't know. Names don't always have meanings. Toilet means toilet. And uh, we find out that rock's name Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore is a description of a very special rock that my father discovered the day before my birth. Not just a description, it's a poem. On the peaks, everyone's no, name t- is a poem. Your dad was into rocks too, huh? My brother loved rocks. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Tef's like, oh, that must make calling the family at mealtime a bit of a chore. But we learned that when you're arguing on the peaks, the best insults are also a poem. And one that is similar in composition and rhyme to the person's name that you're insulting. Probably why most arguments end in drinking. And then Dunny like tries to like makes up a poem that's supposed to rhyme with Rock's name or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, we're all having fun now. Wasn't and even a friggin' dirty limerick. Come on, Dunny, missed opportunity. Dunny knows how to sing. And Rock's like, oh, you can sing? I must be hearing. Dunny's like, wait, but sing! Oh, okay, okay, dude. <laughs> so yeah, he just sings a song. And uh, Teft and Kaladin and Rock, they're trying to, like, encourage, you know, let's get get this feeling of community going more. We'll, we'll get Dunny in here. We'll get whoever else. Nothing brings you closer than Chasm Duty and uh, Cavity Searches at the end yep. of it, you know. Makes us all feel so close to each other. Yeah. And uh, they find a guy wearing, like, a Sadius uniform. And Kaladin's like, oh, yeah, I bet that was from that run a few days back. That went badly for Sadius's forces. And Dunny's like, bright lord, Sadius. Oh, so, sorry. My master always beat me when I forgot to use the title. Okay. Good to know. We don't find out. He says he was an apprentice. I don't think we find out what he was an apprentice of. But uh, apparently in, in his apprenticeship, it was very important to use titles correctly. So they strip this guy down. This, they, they find a light eyes. And so uh, he's got some nice armor and stuff. They strip him of all that. Don't find any any good big, no bromes, no big spheres. So they don't they're not going to get a reward. But and then Kaladin takes a spear and goes to put it on the pile of weapons that they're salvaging. And he kind of drifts back into the days of his training in Amaram's army when Tux was telling him how to fight. And he's having he's like the, the spear is in his hand. It says it quivered in his fingers like it just wants him to swing it. And then you got Moash like, what are you playing to Lordling going to ram that spear into your own gut? And Kaladin's like, how did that guy know? Does this guy been talking to Gaz? How does he know what Gaz calls me? Apparently just everyone jumps to calling Kaladin Lordling. Maybe it's like uh, it's like in Lucky Number Slevin, where, uh, what's his name? Uh, ben Kingsley talks about his father telling him, like, when first time somebody calls you a horse, punch him in the, in, or call, you call him a jerk. Second time somebody calls you a horse, you punch him in the nose. But the third time, well, maybe it's time to go shopping for a saddle. <laughs> Yeah, it's a that. weird, it's a weird movie. It's a great movie. I love Lucky Number Slevin. Ben Kingsley, Morgan Freeman, a guy named Clevin, Slevin Calabra. 
that's what it is. Okay, sorry. Now you got me thinking about like Lucy Liu and Josh Hartnett and shit in that movie. Let's. Uh... Yeah, they are in that movie. Moash says like he claims to be a deserter, says he was an important soldier, a squad leader, or the like. But Gaz says that's all stupid boasting. They wouldn't send a man to the bridges if he actually knew how to fight. So I guess Moash has been talking to Gaz. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised that like uh, the two biggest jerks that we know in the bridge crews are uh, chatting it up. And you got Sigzel over here like, hey, bridge leader, you think you're that you're grand? Think you're better than us? I mean, I am, but not <laughs> specifically right now. And uh, Drahey kind of like he's like, hey, leave him alone. At least he's trying. And the earless Jax is like, whatever. He cares about looking important. If he was in the army, he'd probably spend his days cleaning latrines. So Ear- earless Jack's also not on Kaladin's side. But we kind of knew that already. And then he goes into like all of these jibes are bouncing around in his head. And then he starts doing a, a kata with the spear. He starts going through the motions and everyone gets quiet and stares at him. And he feels great. Like something about holding a spear, using a spear is like that's like home to Kaladin. Like it centers him in a, in a weird way here. And then there's Syl flying around as he does it and laughing. And when he's done, he, he's like, man, how, I really miss that. And he looks around and everyone's just staring at him, open mouthed. He's like, man, if Gaz hears I was playing around with a spear, I'll get in big trouble. Okay, everybody back to work. And then we have Teft, who's like, dude, what the? It's, like, no, it was, it's not a big deal. It was just a kata. It's meant to work out your muscles and stuff. And Teft's like, look, I've seen a kata before, but not like the way you moved. And there was some sort of spren zipping around you. And Rock's like, wait, you could see that? Yeah, I've never seen a spren like that. So suddenly, and the other men were seeing it too. So Syl became visible. And when he looks at, Calden looks at Syl, it says that she sat primly, legs crossed, hands folded on her knee, pointedly not looking at him, which makes it sound like maybe that was intentional. Yeah. So, yeah, he's using some kind of magic when he's, like, fighting. It's, something's happening. Yeah, something's happening. That is 100% for sure, seems like. And where's Dunny, he says, and we found some dead Parshendir on the bend. Thought you'd want to know. I was so ready for, where's Dunny? Oh, God, a chasm fiend! <laughs> He's the first one to get eaten by a chasm fiend. How sad. And Callan's like, oh, I've never looted a Parshendi body before. Maybe we should check them out. And uh, Rock's like, oh, yeah, they got nice weapons and gemstones in their beards. And Callan's like, oh, yeah, and the armor. No, no armor. Well, I mean, they have armor, but you cannot get it off of them. It turns out, as we find out in a moment, the Parshendi grow their armor somehow. So they're uh, they're crab people, you know, walk like Terrifying. crab, talk like people. Yeah. Why not Zoidberg? <laughs> <laughs> not that he's a crab, but it could work whoop, 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 yeah. whoop, when they run away. He's basically a crab <laughs> lobster thing. <laughs> the the Parshendi are retreating. You can hear the whoop, 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 whoop. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's my new headcanon for when they run. All right. I hear they're going to go mate with their jelly on the beach. <laughs> nope. Nope. Just nope. <laughs> Rock is like, oh, yeah, it looks like they grow their own armor. And Callan's like, that's stupid. People can't grow armor. It's like, and Tef's like, well, I mean, the Parshendi do. Just just look. And he's like, I, Callan's like, I've known Parshmen. There were some working in this, my hometown serving the city lord. They didn't grow armor. Like, well, yeah, Parshman and Parshendi are different somehow. They can jump chasms for Kellek's sake, and they grow armor. That's just how it is. So given that they have an example right in front of them, you'd think that Kaladin would stop arguing it. But they find some cool weapons on them, several knives and one ornate sword still in its sheath. 
And I like Callan is like, yeah, these look like glyphs and shows it to Teft. And Teft's like, I can't read glyphs. What the, who the fuck do you think I am? And Callan's like, oh, man, I swear this this looks like one of the heralds on here. Jezereza or Nalon. Okay. And as they're leaving, like uh, people are looking at Kaladin differently after what just happened. And he manages to get a couple of the other guys kind of involved in the conversation, too. And Rock's like, hey, you're doing a good job here. I think in a few weeks, these men will be yours. And Kaladin's like, we're bridge men. We don't have a few weeks. If I take that long to win them over, half of us will be dead. That's why we're going to get them right now. I have a secret weapon. And Rock's like, okay, what's that? Kaladin's like, it's you, actually. See, I don't know what you guys thought at that point his secret weapon was going to be, other than Rock, but... Shell shit. I... <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, oh, they're going to get he's going to buy a bunch of food. And that's what he did. Yep. He buys a big like cauldron, essentially a big ass cook pot and some food using most of the knobweed sap money that they've just made. And Rock starts making a stew. And Teft is like, really, this is your secret weapon. Have you known many soldiers, Teft? Have you ever known any who could turn down a warm fire and some stew at the end of a hard day? And Teft's like, well, yeah, but Bridgman aren't ain't soldiers. And Kaladin's like, I think they're going to be close enough. And yes, some, like, uh, people start kind of peeking out. Scar, like, kind of pokes his head out. And Kaladin dips a bowl in the stew. And he's like, hey, come join us. And Scar says, I joined the Night Watcher herself around a fire if there was stew involved. And, of course, Teft has to jump in like, hey, careful. That's horn eater stew. Might be snail shells or crab claws floating in there. And Rock says, no, it, it is unfortunate that you have unrefined lowlander tastes. But I prepare food such as I am ordered by our dear bridge leader. And so eventually, like, uh, the whole crew starts coming out, getting some stew. They start laughing, singing some songs. At one point, Gaz walks by, like, squinting at them, like he's trying to figure out if they're breaking any rules. And Callan's like, hey, you want some stew? And he's like, no. And Callan's like, I okay, can't expect too many miracles. And I wonder what kind of stew it is. Might be good. It's potato and leek, it sounds like. The next morning... When he calls for everyone to come out, three quarters of them pile out. Everyone but the loudest complainers, Moash, Sigzil, and Narm, and a couple others. He had a feeling that they'd come around before too long. They'd eaten the stew. Nobody had turned that down. And now they'd feel foolish for not joining in with so many others. Bridge four was his. Now he had to keep them alive long enough for that to mean something. And that's the end of our chapter. The end. Yeah. And that's an upbeat moment to end on, I think. Uh, life still sucks as a bridgeman, but, you know. I was going to say, things must be about to go severely wrong <laughs> soon to end on such an upbeat note. Oh, that's that's one way of looking at it, I guess. I want to be a downer. Someone's going to die. <laughs> you guys have been saying that Dalinar was going to die for a while now, so who knows? I don't know, someone mm-hmm. in Kaladin's. Because uh, that's, that's where the happy ending was, so. Probably a lot of them will die if, if the bridge runs keep going like they have. Yeah, it's true. Probably be Teft or Rock or Dunny. That'd be sad, but I think Dak and Jamie might be okay with getting rid of Dunny. But I even don't hate the guy. No, it's it's just seeing like, the name over and over. Dunny. He just needs a new name. <laughs> yeah, Dunny's gonna be the last man standing. You just watch. Okay, predicaments. I mean, uh, uh, well, on the topic of Dunny, before we do predicaments, yeah, I just want to say I was I was trying to think. It's like, why would he be called that? And is it something to do with Dunn Spheres? Maybe he like always just has Dunn Spheres. Is he the one who drained Kaladin Spheres before just being around him? Like, maybe that's why. Well, in my brain, it is kind of about Dunn Spheres, but it's more like he's not too bright. So he's like a Dunn Sphere. Ah, that uh, works. Could be stretching it, but that's that's what it is in my head. 
Yeah. I don't know that we ever actually find out now that, now that we talk about it, where his nickname comes from. Or if it even is a nickname. Maybe that's what his parents named him. Sorry, I'm, now I'm reading. Yeah, poor Donny. <laughs> uh, predicaments. What do you guys got? Where are we going? What's going to happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We definitely, I think, got more an indication there that Sill is definitely not just a windspring. I was already angling towards that last week or the week before, but I don't know what she is. But if other people are starting to see her as well, I don't know, maybe something to do with, like, I don't know, war or fighting or I don't know. You've had, like, was it creation spread and I don't know if we've had inspiration spread or whatever. There seems to be a spread for everything. But, you know, something's happening with Kaladin there and whether that's giving still power or not, you know, I think we've kind of looked at it as what is she doing for him, but maybe he's creating her out of magic. I don't know. But I I don't really have anything else on that right now. I was, I actually found myself where, and I've got nothing really to, to uh, sort of make a substantial finding on it, but I actually found myself in when we were reading about Dalinar and his doubts with not doubts, but doubts in the thrill when he was feeling quite disgusted with the war and the fighting and he was talking about how how good a fighter Adeline was, I actually found myself worried about Adeline and I, I, I don't have anything firm to, like, base that on, but I was like, that would be pretty tragic for Dalinar if something happened to one of his sons and I think would not exactly be foreshadowed. They kind of sort of made up a little bit after he, like, Adeline said what he needed to, to say in the last lot of chapters, and I, I found myself fearing for him. So I don't think we're at a point where we're ready to say goodbye to Dalinar yet because I think there's a lot more we've still got to talk about these visions and, and what's happening there. So fairly unfounded and, and bold Maybe the end of next chapter, we prepare to lose Adolin. Or we end up losing Dalinar earlier than we expect. And then Adolin starts getting the visions in the high storms. And we learn more about it hmm. from him. I like this idea. This is because, yeah. especially because Dak has been very much on the we're going to lose Dalinar train. I think he was the first one. And even had, I think last time, a big theory about how Adolin would be affected by that. And, uh, so if that's what's being foreshadowed, to have them turn it around like that, that would be interesting. Hmm. Also, that's really very fascinating. In very fascinating to me, your idea that like somehow Kaladin is responsible. Instead of Syl being responsible for weird stuff having to Kaladin, happening to Kaladin, like Kaladin is creating or something her, like it's the other way around, that that would also be an interesting twist. I like that idea. Yeah, it's like his his growth or like moments you know, where he displays strength or something. I'm not really sure. I'd have to go back and read sort of all about when when Syl is getting stronger, but it's kind of like as he gets stronger and grows more, she grows more, and she definitely knows more than what she's telling him by sitting there looking down, not making eye contact. But, <laughs> you know, yeah, as he's, getting, as he's getting stronger, her presence is stronger and other people can see it. I, I sort of hope we get... Almost a, a a rock and sill scene to have them talk to each other would be cool. Them just hanging out, having a chat. Yeah, 
Yeah, okay and ma yeah. maybe they would actually talk about something that, you know, maybe Kaladin doesn't know. Be good for Kaladin to know it. Right? It's one of those things. It's like if everyone just had a conversation about what something was, maybe maybe we'd get answers and, and, and know things and avoid things. Um, it would be nice we, if people No just one could just have a conversation. Yeah. I mean, there'd be no story if everyone just had a conversation, right? <laughs> so, Sadius, can't we just talk this out? Okay, Dalinar. Yeah, yeah. we'll have a chat. The end. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. These, these these are I, I like that you you kind of taken a, a, a left turn from some of the established theories with your ideas. Too. This is I like it. Hmm. Yeah, I am going to predict something that has uh, is, isn't about to happen, but something has already happened. So one of our big mysteries has been why Kaladin gave up on the medical dream and became a soldier instead. And I think I might have it. I could also be horrifically wrong, but that's the fun. So he made a he made a reference today, like something about, you know, like your your dad believed in the best of people, yeah, and look what good that did him. So I've sort of sp spun off of that. So I think his dad lost his position mm. as the town as the town medic. I mean, not a stretch given that we saw like the new lord came in last time and just and just said, oh, you're the guy who couldn't save the last lord. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. But I think it's going to be a bit more tragic than that what i think has happened because we've also made a lot of remarks so we haven't kaladin has made a lot of remarks just like i got i couldn't save my brother or i got my brother killed or something so i think i actually don't think that Lir lirin that's the dad lirin yeah lirin's the dad yeah I, th I think i don't think lirin got fired i think he resigned out of grief something kaladin did as a younger man he did something, Tien was injured, Kaladin couldn't save him, and his dad couldn't save him, and that's how Tien died. That's why Ooh. Kaladin feels the, feels the guilt for having failed him, but his dad also feels, like, just horrific for being unable to save his son, and the Lord it was just completely unsympathetic in all this. It's like, oh, like you're, my, you're my medic, you can't even save your own son, and so, like, the dad just resigns and, or, you know, I don't know. Something like disappears, goes off the grid, just cult, just like absolutely falls apart in grief. And uh, Kaladin's like, "Yep, no, fuck this medical thing. I'm going to be a soldier." Hmm. It didn't work. Yeah, that's yeah. His that's interesting because his dad is very dedicated to what he does and wanting Kaladin to be, and tries to tell him when he loses someone, like you know, this happens. And so it would be really interesting to see them run into the same situation, but enough yeah. different in that case that he can't accept the lesson he's trying to teach Kaladin. Yeah. Yeah. So at a, at a really vulnerable moment, Kaladin is going to see his dad's resolve break. And that's when he decides this doesn't work. I'm done. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I like that. That's I mean, that would be tragic because uh, Tien seems nice, but we know that Tien is not going to make it based on what Kaladin has been saying. So it's going to happen some way. Yeah. All right. I like it. My prediction, this predicament this week, uh, I really just have one, and it's I've been formulating it. I don't know how solid it is, but you know, Dalinar is something I feel like maybe we haven't discussed much on the show yet. Dalinar is having these visions, and like we as an audience don't really know what's going on with them, but at the same time, and maybe I am I'm just putting my own brain into this, but we're being led. I feel like we're being led to believe that the visions are good 
and you know Dalinar and Gavilar were right and everybody else is wrong you know and which could totally be the case but that's kind of the way I feel like we've been been led to believe in the story so far maybe not maybe I'm putting my own perspective on that but that's that's how I feel I'm being led but we've already in a different Sanderson book been led to believe that something was one way and then it was really another uh, well, I mean, he does that a lot. But what I'm specifically meaning is like these visions to me are shard are they feel like they're shard intervention, right? Because it's like it's some kind of mystical power tied with the planet that's making him see visions that's taking him to moments presumably in the past or, you know, showing him something out of his that's you know, that goes along with what he's been taught. And he's like implicitly trusting these things based on kind of like a gut instinct of of like they have to be real so they must be true at the same time and so what i'm wondering is if maybe if it is shard intervention like the being that talked to him in the vision was one of the shards of this planet or the shard of the planet if there's only one if that being is actually benevolent like cuz you know we had ruin who was not benevolent at all and so he influenced people on on Skadriel in a negative way. And so what if these visions, everybody's like, yeah, you these visions are bad. We know they're bad religiously. Uh, you know, our religion tells us they're bad. Like they're not it's not a good thing. Uh, seeing the future is, is evil. You know, all these other things. What if that also all that stuff is true? Because this this these visions have been trying to intervene before and caused calamity right so like if that's all if that if what everybody else is saying is true and dalinar is actually the wrong one then like this could be leading down a path that would definitely lead to dalinar's death if that's the case certainly calamity for the planet if that's the case if you've got somebody who's not a benevolent shard influencing somebody and so that's kind of like where my brain's going is like what if what if these visions are actually evil and just nobody you know he can't believe they're evil he doesn't he doesn't think they are everybody else is actually right in this situation and he's wrong what then um you know what what could happen in that situation where he's following this path that's actually going to lead them down the wrong direction so that's like that's kind of like my predicament today is like what if that was the case in which case, like he could definitely be like leading, like pushing into these visions, trusting Sadeus when he really shouldn't, because the thing keeps, because that keeps popping up his head. It's like oh, I'm supposed to trust Sadeus. No, it's fine. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to trust him. But like, you know, what's actually happening? So that's really interesting because you're right. We have been sort of assuming that we like Dalinar. He's having these magical visions that are telling him, you know, act with honor or whatever. We've been assuming that this is these, these are good visions that they're directing him towards something good, but there's nothing necessarily guaranteeing that. So yeah, it, we hadn't even considered the fact that maybe it's a it's the bad god or a bad god that's doing this, or maybe Adolin's right and this is all leading to disaster, but not because Dalinar's nuts, but because Dalinar is getting bad advice. That's that's really that's a really good thought. Yeah, and what could that, like, well, I guess potentially what could be wrong with uniting the princes? Like, what could what could be a problem with that? 
And, yeah, it sounds uh, like a good thing on the surface of it. Right. And so, like, also, like, we have this, and again, I don't know how much the prologue plays into the rest of the book, but, but I would assume it's important. We have this prologue at the beginning where, you know, these people abandon this other guy to con- to continue on doing whatever it was that they were doing. They left him there to just die over and over which which sounds like it really sucks. And so, like, what does that mean? Like, is that a part of it as well? Is is the person that was originally, if it's not a shard, if it's the person, a shard bearer, if it's, if it's, is it this person that was left behind that keeps declaring these visions because he wants revenge or something? Like, that's, Ooh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, there's like, a, to me, there's like a few different possibilities. Like, if it is evil, what could what could potentially happen is, like, somebody's getting ready to slit the their throats like maybe literally or metaphorically like basically going to put the planet in a bad position and like you know uh, and we've talked about it a little bit but like what is the source of these chasm fiends why do they have gems in the side of them like there's just so many mysteries still about this world that like we we don't really know what who to listen to Right. Like mm-hmm. who is who is actually right. And who's wrong, at least in the in the Dalinar section of the story. I feel like we've got a pretty good idea that even if Kaladin has inner issues that he's, you know, he's trying to create a he's trying to go down a path that is decent. Yeah. You know, he may, he may he obviously doesn't have all the facts being a slave, but like, who knows? Like, but uh, but yeah, like he, the, the, I guess his one downfall as a character could be like prejudiced prejudice behavior for light-eyed people but that's something that seems to be ingrained in the culture at large so in his context it's not seen as bad but who knows that's yeah okay that's interesting points too i like this the especially what you said about the possibility of like there could be other things other things out there that are doing this i specifically calling back to to town and uh, getting you know trapped for however long right so yeah, that's we haven't had other than the names that we think are connected to those guys we saw back four thousand years ago. We haven't had a lot that touches on what we saw in the prelude. Okay, okay, yeah, no, this is that's uh, some cool ideas. Once again, thinking a little bit outside of the box that we've been thinking of up till now. I like that. Uh, that's uh, that that makes entertain for entertaining predicaments. All right, let's move into a different thing. We've got some emails and some patrons. Oh, we got one new patron, so let's do that first. Joe, get your get your fairing list ready. Uh, we got patrons, you said. We have one new patron. Yep. Oh, okay. Let me pull that out here. I feel like you need like a dartboard uh, with all the different fairings and stuff around it. And so when we're picking new one, you just like you just throw a dart. It's like, oh, you got that one. Yeah. Um, that is, <laughs> yeah. I I could just assign them all a number and do a random number generator. I guess less fun than darts. 14, 15. So there's uh there's you know sixteen powers with sixteen metals, right? Yes. Uh so let's see. Well, random plus I mean, we're not doing adium and fairings, I don't think. So yeah. Well that's not on this list anyway. It's not on the list, right? Yeah. I don't even know if we have a name for what that one did. Okay. I'm ready. Alright. So it is a new ska level backer, and his name is Mitchell. Well, Mitchell, you may be a ska. But my random number generator says you're a soul bearer. You store investiture. Ooh. Hey. Nice. All right. Thank you, Mitchell, for backing us on Patreon. If anybody wants to check out our Patreon, I think 
two days ago, the last episode, oh, two days from when we're recording this, the last episode of my reading of The Sunlit Man went up. Ooh. And uh, so before this episode comes out, I will have started posting my uh, read through of Defiant, the last book in the Stormlight, or not Stormlight, (laughs) Wow, the the Skyward series. Yeah, and that just came out last month, right? It came out uh, at the con, so yeah. Yeah, that's cool. It might, uh, I might start posting those as soon as Tuesday, unless my final Year of Sanderson box shows up before then, in which case that's probably what will go up on uh, this coming Tuesday, the 12th. Yeah. And then the, I, this is off topic, but Stormlight 5 is what comes out at the next con? At the next con, yep. Gonna try that'll to probably, make it, uh, yeah, yeah, that'll probably be a big, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I feel like that'll be, that'll kind of maybe pump up his con numbers even more. But anyway, so back to, back to what we're doing. Yes, so I'm actually, as of our recording, I have not actually started Defiant yet because I wanted to reread at the I've, – I've read the first two books in the Skyward series a bunch of times. The third book I'd only read once, and they did a uh, – they did three novellas that take place roughly at, at the same time as the third book but featuring other characters than the characters who were the focus of the third book, and I think – all of those are going to be re- very relevant to how things wrap up in the fourth book. And since I've re- I'd read the three novellas and the third book only once, I wanted to reread at least those before getting into Defiant. So that I am I fi- I finished the third book last week, and I've read the first two of the novellas. I'm in the third one now, and I want to finish those before I start in on Defiant. So those will be up on like I said by the time this episode comes out. Though I should have already started posting Defiant, unless something goes horribly wrong between now and then. So if you haven't seen, if you're a patron and you haven't seen any Defiant episodes by the time this comes out something went horribly wrong <laughs> uh we have some emails that i want to read maybe not all the ones we have because once again we have several and some of them are pretty big but let's uh, let's jump into the first couple of them so the first one is from emily from germany and it's titled everyone's breath become yours good evening sander lance crew longtime listener since you started hero of ages but first time writing in I've been in a bit of a Sanderson reading slump recently, but you starting Stormlight has been an excellent excuse to break out my Way of Kings Leatherbound. Of course, now that I'm reading along with you, I wake up on Mondays and go, oh no, I haven't done my assigned reading, but that's a good problem to have. One thing I like looking for on Way of Kings rereads is the Bridgman that Brandon bothers giving a name to, but who I don't remember at all. I'm sure this means good things for their future. Or in the case of the Bridgman who were introduced when Kaladin went to the front row of that bridge run, literally the next page which is true. Yeah, they pretty much all died on the next page that time. Mm -hmm. You've been talking about how everything regarding breath and awakening feels a bit vague. One thing I find very weird about it is the comically small numbers, 2000 breaths for ageless immortality. Yeah, sure. That's a lot. If you're trying to collect it in secret, not for a country built on the stuff. The only reason people don't have that is because they're nice and just let people keep their breath. The great treasure Peacegiver handed down through the generations, a mere 50,000 breaths. Meanwhile, I'm here picturing a space future where the God Emperor declares intergalactic war on Skadriel before the speech is even over. A billion people have given their breaths to guarantee victory. Interesting thought. That's heavy. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it depends on the population of the planet and uh, how many of them are on one side. Uh, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. Love, Emily, in Germany. I've managed to navigate Apple Podcasts long enough to leave a rating. Please, no auger. That sounds awful for my mental health issues. And then there is a a five-star <laughs> uh, image here. All right. Well, that's great. Well, I did random number generate, but you'll be happy to know you did not receive auger. You got soother. Ooh, Ooh. That's good for your mental health. 
Soothing action, action, action. <laughs> uh, let's do another email. This may also be from Germany. I'm not sure, but we'll, uh, we'll get there. This one is from Libo, Libo, L-Y-B-O, Libo. Hi there. I've always wanted to write you an email, but I've never quite found the right words to say. Spotify Wrapped 2023 gave me the perfect opportunity. Although their data isn't always accurate, they're somehow trying to tell me I listened to 462 minutes of music on a day when I spent three and a half hours writing a Latin exam. <laughs> they correctly identified the Sandra Lynch podcast as my number one podcast this year. Evidence can be found in the email attachment. Therefore, I wanted to do a Spotify recommend. I want to do what Spotify recommends and thank you for the amazing entertainment you have given me over the course of the year. I binge read all Cosmere books in February of March this year, thanks to my brother owning almost all Sanderson books, and found your podcast a little while later. With the story still fresh on my mind, listening to the Sandra Lynch podcast while sitting in the bus to and from school was a very fun experience. That being said, your podcast was a really big part of my school life this year and always something I could look forward to on exhausting days. I'm grateful for all the honest, thoughtful thoughts and criticism, all the hilarious and smart theories. Shout out to Jamie and her analysis of the Mistborn epigraphs and the detours you take once in a while. Again, thank you. Regards and Merry Christmas in advance. Libo, sorry for any grammatical errors. As you see from the screenshot, English is not my first language. And the screenshot is appears to be German. It says, Du hast 9.5 Minuten lang Inhalt gehört. Du gehörst zu den top 2% der fans. So they've hey, listened wow. to 9,000 minutes of uh, the Sander Lanch, uh, if I'm remembering my wow. German correctly, and are in the top 2% of our fans for the year. That's pretty cool. Not even I have listened to 9,000 minutes of... Uh... Standard Lanch, I don't think. I mean, this year? Probably not. No. I, I may have lived 9,000 minutes of Standard Lanch. <laughs> well, see, I, I, that's I live spread it, out and I have to go through years. them again during the editing process. So oh, yeah, I'm, sure I'm always doubled the up. Most. But yeah. even for this year, I don't think that it would have hit 9,000 just in a year. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to math it. It's over 9,000! <laughs> so wonder, thank you. I wonder how, I wonder how much time cumulative that you've cut out of the episodes that they have not listened to which we've lived that's true. usually i mean okay so very very high level generalization we often end up at about two hours recording time sometimes more sometimes less and it'll cut down to an hour and 30 to an hour and 45 usually somewhere in that range so probably 20 to 30 minutes get cut out of every episode but that is almost entirely Long pauses, pa, yeah, yeah, and ums and uhs and yeah. you knows and stuff like that. There's occasionally stuff where it's like I'm like, okay, let's pause everything because I got to go and deal with crying children, or right. Jamie, uh, Jamie's having some similar issues on her end with the <laughs> energetic child, and sure. so some of it's that, but the vast majority is dead air or the equivalent of dead air. So, yep. Oh. Yes. Yeah, so, okay. Thank you uh, for for listening to us so much this year that uh, nine thousand nine thousand minutes is a lot. Yeah. And uh, good luck with your schooling this year. I, uh, I I would give a lot not to be back in school. That's not true. School was fine. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Uh, we'll do one more email because this one's pretty short. It says the the title of the email is smoke. It says, "Hey, this Nate." I just started listening last month and have enjoyed every minute of it. Listening to the latest episode on Spotify, Jamie mentioned Smoke and the Chasm Fiend. She was making a connection between 
the Midnight Essence and the monsters that the king kills. When the Chasm Fiend dies, Spren, that are only visible by a dead Chasm Fiend, and they take the forms of wisps of smoke. It actually says whims hmm. of smoke, but I assume it was wisps that he was going for. Wasn't until the time of next. So there you go. There's another. I, if if it said that, I didn't catch that part in the actual chapter. But there you go. Uh, and Thanks, they Nate. appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Nate also sent us a screenshot of their five star Spotify review. Oh, Nate, let's randomly generate you into being a seeker. There you go. Enjoy that marsh power. Yeah. Seek seek to your heart's desire. Say, so if you want to get jumped into the misting crew, leave us a five star review. On on Apple Podcasts, I can usually see them myself. If you leave a review on uh, on Spotify, you guys have to send us the the evidence because I don't always I'm not really able to see those. Right. Uh, or if you want to back the Patreon, like we talked about, you can get a, a a fairing power, or you can do both and be a twinborn, maybe even a compounder if you're super lucky with the way Joe randomly distributes these things. Some we've had a couple, so they're out there. If you want to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and x and facebook and various places although now that facebook and insta and uh, and x have stopped updating automatically like they're supposed to when the episodes go up i sometimes forget to automatically or to manually rather trigger those updates so i'm i'm not being good about that you can also find us on youtube if you like uh, we, there's no video content it's still the audio with like a picture sitting up there but for those who want to listen on youtube that's out there too for next time, we're going to read three more chapters, which will be chapter 28 to wrap up part two of this book, and then interludes four and five. So the interludes number continuously. We had the first three, and now we have four and five. There's going to be – there's another three here, but we're just reading the first two this time. So interludes four and five, I believe, are going to introduce us to two brand-new characters that we've never met before. So Ooh. that's always fun. So thank you, everybody. Patrons, reviewers, people on the Discord. If you want to join the Discord, you can find the link on our website. All of you guys are awesome. We appreciate you. Two chapters, no, sorry, three chapters for next time. Sorry. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next. Colo, PS Fasher. Crab at thee. Go stop the forest.